Hey, let's open our Bibles, Matthew chapter 6. We're going to finish the chapter today. We looked, uh, <clears throat> we looked last time at the uh, section about treasures here or treasures in heaven. What is our focus like? Where are our hearts at? Are they on the things here that really don't last or are they on the things that will last? It's kind of a focus of our hearts. It doesn't mean we, we don't have to deal with all those things in this life. We've got to deal with, with money. We've got to deal with cars, houses, everything. We've got to deal with all that stuff. But does, do, those th- do those things have us or do we have them? Are they just possessions or do they possess us? Jesus said, you know, we need to think about things that will last, that life does not consist in the things that we possess because they're not secure, he goes on to, to show us and say. They just don't last. They aren't safe investments. So the question is, are we investing our time and our resources and our hearts, especially in things that last, in things that are eternal? Are we putting anything into something that will last? Are we putting it all into the stock market or into the the things of this world that will not last? They can't, Jesus said. And then, he, and then he finishes that up by saying that we cannot serve two masters. We're going to either serve things and money and the things of this world, or we're going to serve the Lord and use those things in a good way. Today we want to talk about worry. How many of you ever worry? Anybody? I want to be sure I'm not here all by myself. You know, we worry, we can worry about so many things. Huh? What do we worry about? What, what kinds of things do we worry about? Job, yeah, what else? The weather. <laughs> what else? Money, money. Money, money, money. What else? Our health, yeah, that's a big one too. Our family, our kids, all these other things that, you know, you name it and we can worry about it. We can worry about everything. We can worry about whether we, you know, left the... Burner on back at home. And maybe we should worry about that. There are certain things we should worry about. I got here today, and uh, maybe I shouldn't tell you all this because it's, uh, you know, resources, but I got here today, and there was a, a tap that was on in, in the other room, hot water, just kind of running down. And I don't know how many days it's been, like, running down hot water. I don't know who did it. I have my suspicions. But that person wasn't worrying. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Listen, definition of worry. Worry is an emotion in which a person feels anxious or concerned or uneasy about a real or imagined issue, ranging from personal issues such as health, finances, to bigger issues, state of anxiety and distress. Uh, One pastor said this, it is unreasonable. It exaggerates your problems. It makes mountains out of molehills. It just makes problems seem bigger and bigger. That is so true, isn't it? You've got this little problem, and you begin to think about it, and you begin to like toss it around in your mind, and then you, then you enter in this anxious, uneasy, worried state, and pretty soon that like is the only thing. It was this tiny little thing, and now it's like so huge, and it's like the only thing. And usually that happens, I find, in the middle of the night. When, they're, when there's nothing you can do. You can't call that person to find out, did you check that door? Was it locked? 
You know, you're going to call him at 3 o'clock in the morning? No. Don't call me. <laughs> but I like this. I, I, I looked up, uh, I found this um, thing about the word history. And it says that the, the, uh, the word comes from an old English word, a word called wergan, uh, which, meant, which meant to strangle. So um, th- then it, the, the, the um, descendant of that was worrian, and it, it kept that sense, but it also developed a, a, another thing added to it, to grasp by the throat with the teeth and lacerate, or to kill or injure by biting and shaking. So like if, if like there was an animal like a wolf that was worrying the lambs, that's kind of the usage of it. They would grab them by the throat and, and shake and kill and strangle. It said in the 16th century, worry used to be, began to be used in the sense to harass as by rough treatment or attack. And in this, it went on from there and then... And then it came to our, uh, our modern use of to, to feel anxious or distressed. But do you kind of see where it came from? And I, see that I think there's a connection between worry, the way we think about it, and what it, where the origins of the word come, where these things come and they come to strangle us. They come to attack us and kind of tear us at the throat. This worry. And I'm not talking about just I'm kind of concerned about that. I'm talking about when you're worried about something. That's what we're talking about. How many nights have you spent... Recently, up worrying. Is that all? <laughs> you know, I like, uh, how many of you remember Mad Magazine? Some of you do. You know, uh, his saying was, what, me worry? And he had like this weird looking face, missing a tooth, and eyes weren't the same size. You know, worry affects us all so many different ways. It can damage our health. It can damage our sleep, our jobs. It affects us in all different kinds of ways. It takes the joy right out of life, does it not? You know, it can wear you out. I, you know, when I'm really worried, I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm just worn out by it. But in the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the worries of this life could choke the word, making it unfruitful. It affects us spiritually as well. This worry, it, it keeps us from, from uh, being receptive to God's word. It actually chokes it. And then the word is unfruitful in our lives. Uh, one, uh, one medical site on the internet said that we seek relief from worry in harmful lifestyle habits such as overeating, eating junk food, cigarette smoking, or using alcohol and drugs. And I want to add also prescription drugs, not just illegal drugs, but, but to, to try to stop the worrying. Let's look what Jesus has to say about it. Enough of what the world has to say and what I have to say. In verse 25, it says there, Therefore I tell you, he just got through talking about who we're going to serve. He says, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? His first thing he says here is, Do not worry. Don't worry about all those things. It's not good for you. If God is the one who we serve and he's the one who gave us life, he gave us, you know, these physical bodies, then he will take care of us. And that's really the bottom line of it. But there, there is, I just want to throw this in here too, there is this idea of, of control that, that we think we need to control everything. And we're worried about it because it's, 
it's maybe out of our control. But maybe that's a good thing, and we need to understand that, you know, we can't control everything around us. We're not in control, but God is in control. That's why we sang that song this morning. Look at verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The birds, you know, when was the last time you saw a bird like wringing his hands, like worrying, you know? Or how many times did you see them out, you know, with the seeds, trying to plant the seeds, trying to water them, trying to make something happen? No, they, they just trust that there's going to be food somewhere. But he says, your heavenly Father feeds them. But he says, aren't you much more valuable than they? And, and again, this kind of goes all the way back to Genesis, is that God created both the animals and man, but there's something special about man. We're not just an animal, though sometimes we act like animals. Sometimes, you know, the, the whole humanistic thing, you know, and, and, and this, uh, this idea that we're just evolved from an animal, so let's just act like animals. We don't say that, but that's kind of what it is. Let's just do whatever and anything and... And uh, animals just do anything and everything in some cases. But, but God looks at us. He says, I created you in my own image. And you are special. And I care for you. I care for you way more than the animals. That's why it seems absurd sometimes that, you know, uh, animals get treated better than human beings do. Right? And I speak about abortion. You know, we're worried about if, you know, the, this whale or that bird or this bug might, you know, become extinct, but yet, you know, we're, we're, we're aborting human lives at an alarming, alarming rate. He says, are, are you not much more valuable than they? He says later in Matthew, you know, that two sparrows were sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He's a father and he cares for us. We've already looked at that in the, in the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. So this idea of worrying, again, as we look at, at this idea of serving God and, and who he is in our lives, he says, listen, don't you realize you have a heavenly father and he's going to take care of you. So really worry in its, in its uh, uh, pure sense is a lack of trust in our father. It said we don't trust him. We just don't trust him. One commentator said this, worry denies the love of God by implying he doesn't love us. It denies his wisdom by implying that he doesn't know what he's doing. It denies his power by implying that he isn't able to provide for our needs. We just worry about these things because we don't think he's able. We don't think he cares. We don't think he knows what he's doing. But we think we do. Wrong. He knows what he's doing. He's got, he's got the whole world in his hands. I don't know if that's scriptural. I think that's maybe just a song. But the idea is good. You know, he, he is able. He is able. And he does care. She mentioned the Psalms earlier. You know, we, the David, you know, so many times in his Psalms, he says, God, are you even there? Do you even care about me? Do you even know what's going on in my life? And God always comes through. God is always there. And we may not understand it. Proverbs 3, you know, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will guide your paths. God is in control. We need to let him be. We need to acknowledge him in all of our ways, and don't try to play God. Look at verse 27. It says, who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Um, in the margin here, and then every says, or a single cubit to his height. Uh, both words, uh, it's, uh, both uh, ideas are in that word. How many of us, by worrying, can add any time to our lives or, or can make ourselves a little bit taller? You know? I, I just I get a kick out of when they have to move this microphone up and down because, you know, we're all so different. And some people are really tall, and I look up to them. And, and you know, I'm kind of like, I don't know if just under average or whatever. I don't know what the average is anymore. But, but you, know, how many, you know, how many of us can change any of these things by worrying? Matter of fact, worrying probably does exactly the opposite, does it not? You know, all kinds of physical things can happen to shorten our lives, ulcers and heart problems. And as far as our height, I think it probably does because when we worry, we kind of slump over a little bit, you know. I'm so worried. I'm so worried, you know. And we're not walking around with our, you know, our, you know, standing upright or anything. I'm so worried. No, it's like, I'm so worried, you know. It affects even the way you look. I, I've known people like that. They, they kind of walk around like this all the time because they're just so heavy with the things and they're so concerned and consumed. He says, you know, who of you can do anything about it? it it's not going to change anything, worrying. Look at verse 28, and why do you worry? That's a good question. Why do you worry? That's the question we're trying to answer. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon was one of the, especially at that time, he was the wealthiest man in the world. And he had everything you could imagine of, of every uh, imaginable um, uh, size and shape. He had, you know, all the wealth, all the gold, all the horses. He had all the wives. He had everything. He tried everything. But, and, and he was, you know, full of splendor in terms of what you could see. You remember the Queen of Sheba came and saw him and says, wow, this is even more than I thought it was going to be when she got there and saw him. But when you look at it, you know, it's like compared to the beauty of a flower that God has created, there's no comparison. I remember being in an air show one time, and, and these, I love to watch the planes and, and to do their thing, and it's phenomenal to see what they can do. But, but I, was, I, I was there, and I looked up, and there were these birds, and they were, they were doing these little acrobatic tricks, and, and you know, it made the, the airplanes look like silly in comparison, what they could do. They were alive, and they were doing these things. He says, if, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, oh, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? That's really, again, what, what it boils down to. And I think so much of life boils down to this. Are we going to trust him? Are we going to trust him? Do we trust him? You know, we can trust ourselves. We can trust everybody around us. But the real thing is, can we trust him, that he loves us, that he cares, that he is able to do so much more than we could even ask or imagine? 
So verse 31, he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And in, in those days, you know, those were the, the most important things. We have added to all those things in our, in our very materialistic and, and wealthy society. We've added all kinds of things. It's, you know, it's not just clothes and, and, uh, and you know, food and drink. It's, it's so much more than that now. We have so many more things that we think, you know, that we need to worry about. But he says in verse 32, look what he says there. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The pagans, and when, when the word pagan, pagan means unbeliever, those that don't have a, a relationship with God, those that don't know Him, those, those that don't, don't call Him Father, that have trusted in Jesus Christ, they're running after those things. That's the whole pursuit of their lives is to get things so that you know, we, can, we can be comfortable, so that we can be happy. But do they really do it? I read, uh, I read uh, a little news piece about a billionaire. Um, and he had, you know, he had made a, a lot of money in some business venture, but he just committed suicide. Yeah, he had some physical problems. He was fighting cancer and a few other issues. But, you know, didn't the money take care of everything? Didn't the money solve all the problems? Does it? It really doesn't. The pagans, the unbelievers, the, the people in the world, they run after all these things. Should we be just like that? Should people be able to say, wow, look at him. He's like striving to you know, get that extra money, He's striving to, to get the bigger car, the bigger boat, the bigger house. That's all he talks about. And those of you who have seen the movie... Um, you know, um, um, what's it called again? The one we pass out here? Fireproof? Fireproof? <laughs> and listen, I'm 53. I can, I can have a few moments. You know, in, in that movie, he, he, he has this thing where he's just consumed. He's got to get this boat, right? You've seen it. And it's like all he thinks about it, and he's, you know... People are, are, are sick and need help within his own family, and his wife is being neglected, but I've got to get this boat. And in the end, he realizes that, you know, his priorities are just a little bit messed up. They run after all these things. Do you and I run after them? In Matthew chapter 16, it says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If we get it all, if we get it all and yet we lose our soul because that's all we thought about, what good is it, he says? What good will it be? He says, notice there in that last part of that verse, he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. He knows. He's not caught off guard with the needs that we have. He knows what you need. He knows what I need. Again, it gets back to this idea of trusting him. Can you trust him that he's a good father? That he's a good shepherd? That he does love us? He does love and care and he is able to, to do what he's promised to do? Verse 33. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, really I believe is the, is the key verse of the whole book, but also the key verse of this idea. He says in verse 33, says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. This is, this is really the, the heart of it all. Where, you know, where are we focused? What is first in our lives? What's the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? What's the, what's the last thing you think about before you go to sleep? Do you, do you have a relationship with God where He's like number one? Above anything else, even above our families, above our spouses, above our kids, above our jobs, above, above all the stuff that we have in this life. Above the, you know, what we're going to do next week, next month, next year, if God gives us that time. Seek first. Seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, He says. Put God first in our priorities, in our lives. Is there, is, is there time in our day for uh, spending some time alone with God? Is that a priority? Is that a first? Is that putting God first? Is that seeking first his kingdom? Are we doing that in our lives? Are we just, I got to go do this. I got to go do that. I got to worry. I got to do everything else. But I don't have five or ten minutes to put God first in my day, in my life. He says, he says seek first. His kingdom, His righteousness, and all the rest will be taken care of. Yeah, we do need to go and work. We do need to put our, you know, our efforts out. But, but where, are, where is the trust of our hearts? We put God first. We, we trust that He's going to take care of it. It's a priority. We put Him first in our, in our homes, in our families, in our personal lives. It's, it's important to go to church and be with other believers. That's a priority of life. All the rest, he'll take care of. One of the, one of the, one of the most amazing verses in uh, Psalm 37, verse 4, says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will what? Give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Do you find delight in Him? Do I find delight in Him? Do I delight myself in Him? And, and then he, he gives me the desires of my heart. And you can look at that both ways, of course. He gives me what I desire, but He also gives me the desires to desire the right things. So many times the desires that we have are not good ones. I desire this, I desire that, but we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord. And He, he says, well, you don't really need that, do you? That really isn't something that you, you, know, you need to have for your for your uh, future, is it? Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Same as what he's saying here. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. All these other things will be taken care of. All these things will be given to you as well, he says. It's a matter of, of trust, isn't it? Again, this idea of trust. Worship. Focus. Is it easy is it easy to break free from worry? I like what uh, this guy said. He said, trying to break away from my worries was like wrestling an octopus. Like wrestling an octopus. That's crazy, huh? Going to get you from every side and all these different arms coming at you. I had a dream the other night. And uh, 
I thought it was so real there was a skunk biting my hand. <laughs> and I couldn't get, get him off me. Trying to shake it off. You know, these worries, they're, like, they're grabbing onto you, like choking you, biting, you know, strangling. But Rick Warren said this, and I really like this, what he said. He said, you weren't born worrying. He says, you have to learn to worry. You have to practice to be good at it. And I think we got a lot of practice. I got a lot of practice. I'm pretty good at it. I can be up most of the night worrying about something. And then the next day, go, what was that all about? But he says this, that the good news is that if worry is learned, it can also be unlearned. Right? You can learn to do something different. If you, if you and I ask God to help us, God, teach me a different way. I learned real good at this. I, I've been a very good student of worrying, but show me how not to worry. And show me how to trust. Help me to trust. Search me, O oh God. Know me. Know my thoughts. In Isaiah chapter 26, it says this. You, speaking to the Lord, says, You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, or stayed on you because, why? Because he trusts in you. We're, we want to find that perfect peace. It's, it's focusing, keeping our minds steadfast, stayed on him, and trusting in him. Look at the last verse of chapter 6. He says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know that saying, one day at a time, you know, that's not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. Let's live for today. Let's live today and not worry. It doesn't mean we don't make plans about tomorrow and about things that we need to plan for, be prudent with the, 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 the resources and the gifts that God's given to us, but, but we don't worry about them. We don't consume ourselves with them. Today is hard enough, is it not? This 17th century bishop named Fenelon said, Don't worry about the future. Worry, excuse me, quenches the work of grace within you. It, the future belongs to God, and He is in charge of all things. Again, this idea about trust. There was a survey done, and the survey said, no, there was a survey done regarding worry that revealed these, these things. 40% of things that most people worry about never happen, okay? You've heard this before, but, you know, we need to be reminded. 40%, almost half of everything you're worrying about will never, never happen. 30% of what we worry about has already happened. And we can't change it. We can't go back and fix it and change it. That's, that's 70 already. We're at 70%. 22% of what we worry about regards problems which are beyond our control. That's 92%. We can't do anything about them. Only 8 percent of what we worry about are situations over which we have any influence or we can do anything about. It's a very small 
uh, of the things we were. So there are some things we need to worry about and get involved in and make some change. But most of it, we either, it's already, you know, not going to happen, it's already happened, or we can do nothing about it. Someone said this, don't open your umbrella until it starts raining. How often do we do that? We're worried about something that's going to happen and it just never happens. Let's turn. There's two verses I want to close with today. The first is in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And the second is going to be in 1 Peter. Philippians chapter 4 and verse... um, Six, six and seven. It says, do not be anxious. And that's the same word that is used for worry. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart's and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, don't worry about anything, but what? Pray. Do you pray? Do you bring it to the Lord? Some people say, you know, I, I, you know, I just don't have time to pray. You know, I don't have time to, you know, pray about everything. But we got plenty of time to worry. We need to, like, change that around a little bit. Spend a little t- less time worrying, a little more time you know, bringing this before the Lord. There was a guy, he, was, he, he, was, he lived in England, and it says that there was a landlady there uh, in the place he lived. She had a plaque on the wall that said, why pray when you can worry? Sort of tongue-in-cheek, right? Why pray when you can worry? But he says it always, it always drove him to really say, why worry when you can pray? Which are we going to do? And then in 1 Peter chapter 5, if you'll turn with me there, and you need to know where these verses are. Each one of us need to know where these verses are so we can go and find them and, and read them later. And when we're up in the middle of the night, go get your Bible and find Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Matthew chapter 6, the section we're looking at today, 25 through 34. But look at verse 7. He says, cast all your anxiety, and it's the same word again, cast all your worries on Him because He cares for you. I like that. I like that what He says there, because He cares for you in two ways. One, He cares about us. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. Give those worries over to Him. But, but secondly, because He'll do the worrying and the caring for us. Because he, He's the only one that can do something about it. We can't do anything about most of these things. Let Him do the caring. Cast all your anxiety. Well, you might say dump it all on Him. I don't know if that's, that's uh, inaccurate. Cast it all on Him, all these worries, because He cares for you. It's got to do with our relationship with God. What's going on with with Him and I? 
Am I trying to go it on my own? I'm trying to be in control, trying to cover all the bases, do it all myself? Or do I have a relationship with God and I say, you know what, God, I'm really worrying about this thing and I just, I, it's like going to destroy me. And so I, I'm just here to pray and just to, to give it to you, to cast it on you because you care for me and you're going to take care of it. There is a passage in the book of Luke and you are familiar with it, I'm sure. And Jesus, you know, and his disciples, they were on their way. They came to a village where, where Martha, there was a woman named Martha. It says she opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, Martha and Mary. And Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. That was what she was involved with. But Martha, it says, she was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It will not be taken away from her. She was sitting at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Are we just consumed by worry or are we, are we trying to make a difference, trying to make a change, trying to come and sit at the feet of Jesus? Corey Ten Boom, who uh, went through the, you know, the, the Holocaust and, and was helping to save uh, Jewish people, uh, she said this, Somebody said to me, when I worry, I go to the mirror and I say to myself, this tremendous thing which is worrying me is beyond a solution. It is especially too hard for Jesus Christ to handle. And she says, after I have said that, I smile and I am ashamed. It's kind of like a, a you know, reality check. You go in the mirror and look and say, you know what, Jesus can handle it. And then you go, what am I saying? What am I thinking? Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are no different than all these others, this Martha that was so worried and consumed by so many things, all the stuff. And how many nights have we spent awake, Lord, and, and just consumed, worried, but Lord, we, we pray that you'd help us to, to make a change, that we would relearn. We'd learn how to trust you. Lord, we can't, we can't even do this. We can't even trust you without you helping us to learn how to trust you. But we confess our need that, that we're just frail and uh, human and, and uh, sinful and our flesh just, you know, goes in so many different directions, Lord, but our hearts, our spirits are willing and say, Lord, Lord, your kingdom come in my life. We want to seek you first. Seek your kingdom and your righteousness and all these other things. They'll, they'll be taken care of. They'll be given. They'll be added. Lord, Lord, we, we just, uh, we, we open our hearts to you this morning and and in the days, the weeks, the months, the years to come, however long you'd give us, so we don't even know what tomorrow holds. But today, Lord, help us to cast.
cast all of our cares, all of our anxiety, all of our worries upon you because you care. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.